Amen. Good morning. Boy, how can just that song service just pump me up? Well, I'm ready to preach. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amen. How great the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And oh boy, I tell you, that is just awesome. And God's love has made a difference in our lives and uh, has given us a hope. And it makes a difference in the way that we relate to one another. And that's been our focus this month is having a fresh start in our relationships. And it's all because of Jesus Christ that we can have a fresh start. And that's where we begin. You know, there was a story about a mom who heard her young five-year-old son crying in the other room. And she ran out there and she said, what happened, Johnny? And he said, well... His sister pulled his hair. And his mom said, listen, don't be angry. Your little sister doesn't know that it hurts to have your hair pulled. And so she went back in the other room, and a few minutes later, she hears another stark cry coming from the room. And she runs in there, and this time it's the little girl crying. And she says, Johnny, what happened? And he says, now she knows. <laughs> now, if you're a parent, you can relate to that, right? Harmony in the home. Wouldn't we just all love that at times? Having harmony in the home. I kind of chuckle at the uh, commercial that's out right now on the, uh, uh, it's one of those uh, cable or something where they got all the room, each room has a TV so everybody can watch and it says how it brings harmony in the house and they're sitting around the kitchen table, you've seen that one, and the brother is reading his sister's diary and she's wanting feedback and the parents read it and say they love it, man how much more fiction can you get, right? Not reality. All love to have that at times. And I bet if I was to go around the room right now, we could have some great stories of things that occurred in our house. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, I think we all want a home where there is harmony, where there is love and there is peace, where there is mutual edification. That's what we would like in our homes. And I want to tell you, that Jesus Christ can help us have harmony in our homes. Amen? Absolutely. And we've been talking about that. And Paul has been writing through the book of Ephesians to us on how we should live out our faith. Remember back in September we started this series. And we were saying that who we are in Christ should make a difference in how we live. Absolutely. That our walk should match our talk. And we talked about a little bit of how that shakes out in our personal lives. And this month we're focusing on how it shakes out in our relationships. And Paul gives an answer as to how we can find harmony in our homes. If we want harmony in our homes, Paul says the answer is mutual submission. Mutual submission. If you remember, we looked at this verse. It's kind of where we ended up last November where it says, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Paul is saying that a spirit-filled life, in those passages there, 
would be one that we speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's one that we will give you thanksgiving to God for all that he's done. And he says another characteristic of allowing the Spirit to control our lives is we learn to submit to one another out of a fear of the Lord. That we prefer our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this verse was the hinge verse, if you please, leading into a section known as the house codes, where Paul is going to show how this principle lives out in our homes. In the last two weeks, we've talked about how this lives out in the marriage, that the wives are to submit to the husband, and the husband is to love his wife. Mutual submission. That there is, there is this harmony in the marriage because each partner is being who God has designed them to be, their role. And we talked all about that, that this certainly isn't debasing women. It is actually, in that culture, elevating women. And we talked all through that. But this morning, I want us to look at another relationship within, within the home, the child-parent, the child-parent. How do we find peace between that dynamic? Well, once again, Paul gives us the answer. It's mutual submission. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, mutual submission between the child and between the parent. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Ephesians 6. We'll start verse 1. Now Paul is going to start off by addressing the children. Now just as a side note, um, kind of a little fun thing to think about. You know, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus to be read. And he is assuming that the children would be with the adults as this letter is read. Why? Because he is addressing children. That gives you just something to think about. I think there is a powerful thing when our kids are with us worshiping. And I think that this somewhat speaks to a little bit of that. You could take that for what it's worth. But I find that an interesting dynamic as I was studying this passage. So Paul begins with the children. What is the role of children in the home? How do they mutually submit in a way that brings honor to God and harmony in the home? Well, Paul is going to say two things. But the first one we're going to notice is that the way, the role of a child should be, one word, obedience. Obedience. Notice Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents. Guys, this is pretty clear. I mean, this is fairly straightforward. We are to obey our parents. So what does that mean? That means when mom says, take out the trash, take out the trash. Aaron, where is he? Oh. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't let that one pass, all right? And when dad says, hey, you can't go there, you don't go there. You don't jump out the window and do something like that. 
This is very clear. <laughs> I didn't say Lauren. I did not say Lauren. You know, that cost me royalties when I use them, mind you. So I have to pick and choose my time. Now, obey your parents. Very straightforward. Listen, if you want harmony in the home as a child, do what mom and dad says. Very simple. Very simple. Now, the question might be, well, why should I do that? Why? Well, listen, I can stand up here all day and tell you why you should do this. You know, God has given you your parents as authority to protect you and to shield you from a lot of things. And whether you believe this or not, they're somewhat wise. They've been through wherever, whatever you're going through. They've already done it. They can give you some advice. You know, the word obey actually means to listen under. You know, it is just smart that we sit and we listen to our parents and heed their counsel. Smart thing. I mean, they are there. They've got your back. They're there to protect you. Now, it's interesting, too, that this word for children no, we kind of think that we're just talking about kids. Not in that culture. Not so much. You know, the father in that culture was the leader until he was at least 60 or sometimes until he died. So this isn't just speaking about our kids in elementary school or our teenagers. Listen, this is speaking about adults too. Adults too. Now, it may look a little different. Obviously, a little child obeying is a little different than a teenager obeys and a little different than maybe an adult would. And we'll talk a little bit more about, about the real attitude behind that. But the point is that we're to obey our parents. But Paul gives another reason. He answers the question why as he says this, For this is right. It is just right that we obey our parents. It is just right. You know, even in the pagan cultures of that day, it was right for children to obey their parents. And it makes sense because it is a foundation to a healthy society. Guys, rebellion does not lead to a healthy society. It does not. Even in the pagan culture, they realized this very key fundamental in a, in a healthy, productive society was that children obey their parents. So when Paul says, for this is right, it's not just right for us as being Christians. It's right for everybody. It is right. In fact, Paul will write to Timothy and tell them about times that are come that are going to be rough, that are going to be terrible. And I want you to notice that one of the characteristics of that is disobedient to their parents. Notice, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, 
rather than lovers of good, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Boy, that's almost taken out of the L.A. Times today. Disobedient to their parents was a fundamental thing, characteristic of terrible times. It is just right for kids to obey their parents. And it should be. And every culture understands this. And so it is right. But there's a second thing. Not only is it for its right to obey your parents, but there's a second thing Paul says. And he uses this phrase, in the Lord. In the Lord. Now I want us to just think about this. Paul says that to obey your parents begins with our relationship with the Lord. And I want you to understand this, that obedience starts with me obeying God. Just like I mentioned about the wife, that her submission is actually to the Lord, and then if she submits to the Lord like she should, she'll submit to her husband like she should. So it is with our children. Now, obviously, we have young kids who haven't come to a place where they know the Lord and things of that nature. But you children, you guys who do know the Lord, the beginning place in obeying your parents is realize that you need to obey because you are a child of God. Disobedience is a spiritual problem. It's not just a problem between you and your dad and mom. It's a problem between you and God. It's spiritual rebellion. That's disobedience. And that's what Paul says, that we are to obey our parents. We are to do this in the Lord. How does he phrase it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Listen, if I'm a child of God, I should have a desire to obey my parents, regardless of whether I agree with them or not. You may think, you know what? Mom and dad are just whack. Is that a right phrase? Did I, like, date myself? Uh, that's not, not, uh, all right, whatever. I know, I know that I just can't be cool. It's just not in my DNA, okay? Oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> all right, I like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, at least I'm cool in somebody's eyes. There you go. Look, it doesn't matter if I think mom and dad may be wrong. I still need to obey them. Why? Because I want to please the Lord first. In fact, Paul will write in Colossians that very thing. Notice, children, obey your parents in, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord when I Obey my parents. You want harmony in the home? You want harmony with God? Obey your parents. That's what he's saying. Pretty simple. Now, we know it's not that simple because a lot of times we want to do what we want to do. But that's where we've got to learn to submit our wills to God. Now, is there some boundaries? Yeah. I think in the Lord also kind of gives us some boundaries. Because my first priority is always God. So if dad's telling you to go rob a bank, (laughs) 
Yeah, all right. We'll talk about that later, Russell. <laughs> yeah, obviously there's some boundaries. And we, and we need to understand that. Our first allegiance is to God. But listen, that's usually not the acid test in obeying our parents. It's just not. And let me say one other thing, guys. Our society makes it seem like teenage rebellion and teenage disobedience is just a cool thing to do. It's not. Let me tell you what you're going to go into. You're going to end up in heartache and trouble. It is not cool. I don't care how, what the, the media makes it out to be. It is not the cool thing to do. Listen, if you disagree with your parents, and have enough boldness and courage to have an honest discussion with them. But obey them. Obey them. We'll talk a little bit more about why, that, that aspect of it. But, you know, I, w- I was reading a story this week where a, uh, a father stepped out on his porch and he fainted. And somebody called 911. And the paramedics came and they, they wanted to find out why he fainted. And he says, well, you know, I gave my son the keys to the garage. He went out there and instead of taking out the car, he took out the lawnmower and started mowing the lawn. Caused them to faint. Guys, obedience shouldn't be that way. Some of you guys are looking. That joke stunk. All right, I know. You got the point. You got the point. All right. Obedience. Children obey. But there's another thing, and another thing, uh, uh, way that brings harmony in the home that Paul speaks to, and that's this. Honor your parents. Notice verses 2 and 3. He goes on and he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honor your parents. Obedience speaks to our actions. Honor speaks to our attitude. It's not just that we ought to obey and do the action. Listen, we need to have a heart that honors our parents. Let me tell you, honor does never ends. You know, I'm out of my parents' house at this point in my life. I'm not playing by my dad's rules under his roof any longer. I guess if I moved back into his house, I would play by his rules. I guess that's the way that would shake out. might be a little different than when I was a teenager, but I, I, it would be the same thing. That's his home. But honor never changes. I shouldn't honor my dad even though I'm not living under his roof. And I want to stop just a minute and say thank you to some of you who are here. I have seen the way that you have honored your parents by helping them as they get older. And I just want to tell you, you are a great and wonderful testimony to our church of what it means to honor your parents. And that's the way it should be. We need to honor our parents. That's an issue of the heart. So we can ask the same question. Well, why should I honor my parents? Well, number one, Paul says it's a commandment. I mean, he quotes the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments. 
honor your father and mother. Now, here's the interesting thing about that as I was studying. In our way of thinking about the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with God. The next six deal with how we relate to one another. But in the Jewish mind, they would lump that fifth one, honor your mom and dad, with the other four about God. Very interesting. But why would they do that? Because they realize that next to God, the, the parent stands between God and their children. Absolutely. That is why if you look in the law, if a parent or if a child would curse his father or be disobedient to their parents, you know what they did to him? They took him out to the gate and threw some rocks at him. The, the extreme penalty was placed on those who did not honor their parents. Think about that. Because here's the thing. Dads, we reflect God to the way we interact with our kids. We absolutely do. A lot of times, kids will view God about how their parents treated them, particularly their dad had treated them. We reflect that. You know, yes, God is one who's holy and just and has a standard, but God is also one who's loving and caring. Dads, keep that in mind. And for the Jewish mind, they understood that. Not only did they understand that that was that connection, but they realized how important to their culture, to their society, was honoring parents. That's why it was so extreme. But honor doesn't, honor speaks to our attitude. It is the attitude behind the actions. We should honor our parents. Absolutely. God tells us we should. It is a commandment. Honor your mom and dad. It's a commandment. But Paul also gives us another reason why. Because there's a promise. There's a promise with the commandment. Notice it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Well, this first promise was given to Israel, and it was very tangible. Very tangible promise. That God would bless Israel and bless them with the land and all these things. But let's be honest. This is more of a, just a general principle. Because we know that there are many kids who have honored their parents and lived a short life. But in general, if you honor your mom and dad, God is going to bless your life. And I think this even speaks more to the community than it does the individual. We are Westerners. We view everything at the individual but back then, they were all about the community. And I believe that when a society, when they, when their children will obey their parents, God will bless that society, that group. So honor your parents. Guys, that you're living on your mom and dad's roof, you want harmony, obey your parents and honor them. Play by their rules. Play by their rules. You know, if you don't, yeah, you're going to have heartache. I guarantee you. If anything, you'll have guilt because you're doing the sneaking around thing, right? 
you don't want mom and dad to see it, so you're doing the sneaky thing. Great. If that's the way you want to live your life, I'm sorry. That's a sad way to go. And it's so much better to be upfront and honest and loving and compassionate and things going on than to have to be hiding everything in the corners. Play by the rules. You want harmony? You want a good relationship with mom and dad? Obey and honor. Obey and honor. That's your role in the home. That's what Paul says. That's what God says to us. Well, obviously there's one more player in this, right? And Paul will speak to him, and that is the parents. The parents. Listen, I know, parents, raising kids can be a frustrating thing. Amen? Oh, I thought I would get some amens in the house. Come on now. It can be at times challenging. I was reading 10 signs that you might be a frustrated mom this week. Just a couple. Uh, if your children tell you that you said yes and you don't even remember the question, maybe a little frustrated. Your husband asks how your day went and you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 repeats of stop that and no. You might be a little frustrated. You can't remember the last time you didn't have to share a drink. You mistakenly tell the kids it's sanity time when you actually meant bedtime. <laughs> Might be a little frustrated, right? You go to sleep with, I'm bored and I'm hungry, still ringing in your ears. Might be a little frustrated. Hey, we all understand that. Parents, we are the parents, and we need to be the parents. And God is going to tell us how to be that parent, how we are to keep harmony in the home. That's our job. Listen, I think parenting is, is a, just a wonderful thing. You know what? I am my child's, hopefully, their friend, their confidant, their mentor. I hope that I am at times... Uh, their supporter, their encourager. That wraps all that in a parent. I'm not the taskmaster. I'm not always just their friend. I'm their dad. Encompasses it all. What a wonderful role God has given parents. But that is the role that we're to be. We are to be the parents. God has called us to that. And so Paul says this, and notice as we look, Ephesians 6, verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I think it's interesting. You can insert parents there because I think this is true for fathers and mothers. But I think Paul is specifically aiming at the fathers. You know, in that culture, the father had absolute authority. I mean, he had power over life and death of his kids. It was very extreme. In fact, as I was studying, and I came across this a couple times, that when a child was born, they would place the child down on the ground, and if the parent went, uh, the dad went and picked it up, they kept the child. If he didn't, they would take that child and put it out in the slave trade. That was Roman law. Now, there was also writings about parents to be gracious and kind and loving to their kids. 
But let me tell you, it was more that dad was the ruler. That was their culture. It was extreme. Boy, I was reading things, and I'm going, wow, amazing. So when Paul is writing this, I want to tell you, it was radical. Because he's not just saying, hey, dad, rule. He's saying, here's your role in mutual submission to your kids. This is radical. And so he tells the parents, or the fathers particularly, two things. Number one, do not provoke them to anger. Don't provoke them to anger. Now, parents, we need to make our children obey. I'm just telling you. When we don't, what do we teach them? I'll tell you, one indirect thing you're teaching them is not to obey God. God is our ultimate authority. You are their authority. When you teach them not to obey you, you're teaching them not to obey any authority. That's a problem. Ask some of our school teachers right now who are dealing with that. It's true. But how do we do it? Well, it doesn't mean this iron-fisted ruling all the time either. Paul says, don't provoke them to anger. This is speaking of this repeated pattern of things that causes anger in your child. Well, what might that be? Well, I've seen some parents that just overly discipline to the point of abuse. That's not healthy. I think I've seen a lot of abuse under, uh, what I forgot the way this used to be said, but uh, don't break the spirit, but break the will or something of that nature. And I've just seen things that I, I mean, it's pretty close to abuse. Listen, I'm all in favor of discipline, and I believe, you know, spare the rod, hate the child. I think there's appropriate place for that. That's politically incorrect, but I think there is times. But that's not the only means, and I think that would be the last means. There's other ways of disciplining your children, and well, you should. But don't provoke them to anger. And especially don't you discipline out of anger, right? That's a real prescription. And if you have, and there have been times when I have, you know what the best response is? Apologize to your child. You know, and I'm sorry, I, I just lost my temper on that. You know, that's one way. Sometimes, though, parents are just too uh, controlling, right? I mean, we just micromanage, and especially when our kids become teenagers, Listen, as they grow, we give them more freedom to make choices. Allow them that. You know, sometimes we can promote, get them anger because we're just too much this. Or maybe we're overly protective. We just don't allow them to do anything because we're protecting them. I mean, our intentions are right, but this prolonged thing just, in essence, just prompts this anger. There's a lot of ways that this can shake out. We are not to provoke them to anger. We're to love them. We're to guide them. We're to discipline them. But we're not to provoke them to anger. And Paul will say, that's the negative, but Paul will say the positive is this. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Training, strict discipline. Instruction is that rebuking, that speaking. We are to train our children in the ways of the Lord. We are to discipline them. We are to speak to them. We are to rebuke them at times. That's the role of the parent. We are to help them grow. What a wonderful 
job God has given us. But you know what? To do that means we have to be that in our lives, parents. Let me just say the hard word here. And this is the hard word. Don't expect, don't expect your children to be faithful at church if you're not now. I'm just going to tell you. Don't wonder why later on. Don't expect your kids to live in the way that you're not. They're going to follow you. So I want to challenge you. It begins by us living it. And then we can instruct it. You know, that's, that's the challenge. It doesn't mean it's not a word of rebuke. This is more of a word of challenging you guys. Let's be faithful in what God has called us to do. That's how we can fulfill our role as parents. Well, let me wrap this up. So how do we find harmony in them? Well, listen. Well, children and parents, it begins, guys, with our relationship to the Lord. It starts there for both of us. It starts with me submitting to God's will. Just like I said about the parents. It begins with us saying, okay, God, help me to be who you want me to be and help me to train my children to be who you want them to be. Train up a child in the way you should go. That's our job. But it starts with me first being right with God. Children, it's the same thing with you. God's got a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. Definitely does. It starts with you first submitting to God. And submitting to God means that you will do what your role as he's placed you right now. And that's submitting to your authority, which is your parents. We want harmony in our homes. It begins with mutual submission between parents and children. It's children doing what God has called them to do and parents doing what God has called you to do. And when we do that with love and honor for one another, you'll find some great things and peace in your home. It begins there. It begins with us being right with God. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you again for this example that we've seen uh, in Scripture. And this challenge, these, these words to help us to see what a spirit-filled life looks like in the child-parent relationship. Father, I, I take a moment to pray for, for all of us. We are all children. Lord, help us to honor our parents like we should. Help us to obey like we should. We realize that when we do this, we reflect the difference that you've made in our lives. And it brings you glory and honor. So, Father, as children, help us to be what you want us to be in that relationship. And I take a moment to pray for our parents. Parenting can be a challenge and tough at times. But I pray that our, all of our parents here would first start by going to you and finding their wisdom, their strength, their peace, their power in you. And then help us not only to say the words to our children and instruct them in those ways, but Lord, help us to model it 
to live it out in front of our kids, that they see the difference that you've made in our lives so that we can reflect your glory. And I pray this morning for the one who may be here, though, that doesn't have that beginning step, that does not have that relationship with you, that cannot say with assurance that their sins are forgiven, that cannot say that they are right with you, I pray this morning that you would draw them, that your spirit would work on their heart and show them, Father, how much you love them, that you would send your son to go to a cross to take on their sin so that they can be your children, so that they can call you Father, so that they can have joy and peace. I pray this morning that you would work on that heart, convict them, and I pray that you would give them the courage and boldness to respond to you. Father, we just pray that everything we do and everything that we say would bring you honor and glory. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. I don't know what's on your heart. Maybe you've got some areas that you've just been rebelling. Listen, altar's open. Give it over to God. Maybe that's the first step, right? God, you know what? I've done this. I'm sorry. And then go apologize to your parents. Maybe you're a parent and you've just not lived it out like you should. Listen, the altar's open. Say, God, help me. I want to be that parent you want me to be. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to make another step of commitment to him. Listen, I'd love to talk with you. Whatever your need is, don't leave here without being right with God. That's what's saying.